Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show, bringing you wit, wisdom, sarcasm, and information weekly, and once a week as well. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit, here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, uh, coming to you on a lovely, lovely actual spring Tuesday afternoon. And on this week's episode in uh, Pipe Parts, I have a review of the brand new Captain Black uh, Platinum Blend. Platinum blend of pipe tobacco. Wow. Must be really special if it's platinum. Um, and then my guest is Benedict Hoose of the Amsterdam Pipe Museum, and I had a lot of fun recording with him. And kind of bumped him up so that you guys can get your travel plans if you're uh, if you're heading to Amsterdam and make sure and stop there. Uh, music by request, mailbag, and rant—all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Uh, and a couple of reminders. Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation auction items. We are looking for items that you would like to donate, so please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Remember, once a year we ask for your donations, and uh, I throw in some stuff. And all the proceeds go to help finding a cure and treatments for uh, type 1 diabetics like my daughter, who's now going on uh, 16, 17 years of... uh, of daily insulin shots and blood sugar checks. So greatly appreciate that. Reach out to me and uh, Vegas pipe show information. Uh, remember you, if you book your room and pay your admission, you'll be entered uh, book your room and your admission by July 1st. And you will be entered to win up to three nights free in the hotel that weekend. We will pull that name uh, before the weekend, and uh, yeah, and we'll let you know on Friday at the show. Uh, same thing goes for those of you that want to get a table at the show. If you book your table and book your hotel reservation, same thing for you guys too. So we're giving away uh, two three-night stays or up to three nights free at the hotel thanks to uh, the Palace Station and some negotiations that we did. Uh, so go online to vegaspipeshow.com and uh, book those early. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. Thoid Floor Men's Clothing. Suits, shoes, ties, trousers, cufflinks. Going up. I beg your pardon, but on what floor might I find the luxury tobaccos, pipes, and accessories? Well, I'll tell you, pal, if it's those things you's looking for, you need to visit tinbids.com. Ah, yes, of course. You mean the pipe collector's auction site, right? That's right, Mac. You can buy and sell pipes, accessories, and vintage and hard-to-find luxury tobaccos. You know, just like you were saying. So I can sell my pipes and tobaccos, too? Why, that's just fine. Yeah, you bet your life, buddy. So, what'll it be? Can you take me to the floor where the computers are, then? What's a computer? Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up today. A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing, take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting, your corncob pipe swears it won't make a pop. 
Relaxing and reflecting? You add your corncob pipe at Relax. Party time. Your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original, authentically you. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, tobacco review time. And this one's a brand new one. Yeah, it's only uh, it's only been out, as far as I can tell, a couple weeks, maybe. Um, maybe a month or two. Uh, anyway, so Captain Black, and uh, this one was uh, gifted to me in uh, Chicago. And remember back, uh, I don't know, several months ago, I reviewed one of the other Captain Blacks, and I was surprised by it. Well, I think... They're in the process of kind of re-blending all these and uh, putting these back in, uh, you know, getting them, getting them set for. Let's. How do I say this? The uh, I'll just come straight out and say it. All right, uh, with the move of production to Europe and to Den- in Denmark, they're trying to make Captain Black uh, suitable for the European market, which means no discernible flavors and stuff like that. So. They're coming out with new blends and kind of reblending some old blends, and uh, it, you know, I'm getting more and more impressed. But uh, here's the uh, description on uh, from PipesAndCigars.com. It says uh, Captain Black fans are in for a treat with the introduction of the brand new Captain Black Platinum. This smooth and silky blend of select Virginias and Burleys has a mellow, slightly sweet flavor and a room pleasing aroma. The blend adds a more subtle member of the uh, adds a more subtle member to the Captain Black lineup for those people who are looking for an easy smoking tobacco that's great at any time of the day. This is the perfect complement to the Captain Black series for those who prefer that a blend that is not too sweet or strong. All right, so first of all, it comes in a uh, comes in a very nice light gray kind of silverish pouch. Uh, when I opened up the tobacco, first thing I noticed was the moisture content is just about perfect. It could be just a hair dryer than for me personally, but the moisture content's perfect. The cut of the tobacco is really top notch. I mean, there's a lot of nice long, uh, long stuff in there. Lots of nice cross cuts on the, uh, on the black Cavendish and just packed really easily. All right. So they, they, I mean, this is again, going back to going back a couple of years ago and I talked about how can you tell if it's premium tobaccos? Well, there's also not a lot of really small stuff in the bottom of the pouch. Uh, the aroma is on that light, sweet, uh, somewhat undetectable area, uh, you know, range. I couldn't really pick up anything more than maybe just a little bit of a vanilla ish with some sort of a very light fruitiness to it. Uh, I smoked it in both a brand new Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe and one of my, uh, in my Costello sea rock. And I wasn't worried at all about smoking it in a pipe that I normally smoke Virginia's and Virginia Periques in because there's not a lot of casing to it, not a lot of uh, extra moisture to it. So I wasn't worried about a bowl or two going through there and really ghosting it. Uh, smoked cool and smooth. I did. Yeah, you know, I, I tried. I, I said, all right, with the second bowl through the corn cob, I said, let me see how 
let me see how hard I can pull on this and get it to get it to bite me. It took me a little bit of effort to get it to start to give some tongue bite. Um, it, there's not a, it's so new that there's not even a listing for it on tobaccoreviews.com. But again, I'm really impressed with what Captain Black is doing with these newer blends. You get for me as a smoker, uh, somebody that prefers you know tobacco flavor. Well, you get that tobacco flavor. You get a little bit of the sweetness. You get a cooler smoking aromatic. Uh, you get one that smells good to the people around you. And at the end of the bowl, there was a satisfaction of, you know what, I've smoked a pipe. I've enjoyed this. And not a lot of extra residue or heavy buildup in my mouth. Uh, the smoke was relatively smooth and creamy. And the tobacco kind of smoked to a nice light gray ash. So, again, I'm, I'm just more and more impressed with what they are doing with these. So maybe if you're, uh, you know, Maybe if you want to, if you want to have a pouch or two of this around as something that you smoke when you're around other people, uh, you know, summertime's here and you want to smoke something and you don't want to offend everybody around you because you're outside and you know what, this may be Captain Black Platinum, highly suggested, might be the perfect thing. And, uh, and again, I've had the pouch open now for about four or five days and the pouch seems to close back up nicely and. Uh, I, I, again, I can't tell you how I'm impressed. It's these newer ones are no longer that extra goopy, soupy, cakey stuff. All right. So check out Captain Black Platinum. Uh, in, in just a moment, my discussion with, uh, Benedict from the Amsterdam Pipe Museum. This is internet radio. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Milafolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us from Amsterdam in the Netherlands is Benedict House. Did I say that correctly? Yes, that's fine. Okay. Benedict. <laughs> from the uh, from a, a place that I have to get to, from the Amsterdam Pipe Museum. So, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, and I'm happy to be here and to tell your audience about the museum. Yeah. So first, let's let's get this out of the way. The website is pipemuseum.nl. Yeah. Netherlands. Yeah. And how long has the when did the pipe museum begin? Well, it's a long history. In fact, um, the museum started, of course, with the collection, and this collection started already in the late sixties of the last century. Wow. And it's all the work of one man. Um, all the pipes we have 
in the museum. There are about uh, two and a half thousand on display, but we have about 10 times more in the reserves. And it's all collected by one man. And this um, gentleman, he he's not um, so keen on, on being really famous. So he called this museum the Amsterdam Pipe Museum and not the famous Don Duco Pipe Museum. Um, but still, he has, he has a famous name because he has been writing books on the history of pipes, particularly the Dutch clay pipe, of course, and, and one of his topics um, for a long time. So around the world, people may know the, the name of Tom Duco. Um, and he started collecting, in principle, in the beginning, in the start, just his small white pipe bowls and fragments you could find in the Amsterdam soil as an archaeological find. And um, he started as a teenager to, to collect these, these fragments and collected, collected all the, the marks on them and the decorations and the shapes. He swapped with, with friends um, and over time, um, all his, his mates, they stopped. Um, but he got older and had close friends and other things to do. And he just continued with collecting pipes for over 60 years now. Wow. And, and so the museum started out as a hobby and then became a museum. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And then later, that's the last century, he created a foundation, mm-hmm. um, which was very clever because then you attract more people on the board to, um, to have more knowledge about running a museum. Um, and luckily, there were a few people that are really good in um, <clears throat> all the museum stuff that comes with the museum. You have to, uh, well, especially in Holland, we're quite regulated. So to be a proper um, registered museum, you need to have policy documents on anything, on the, the collection management, the conservation, the uh, um, even the uh, receiving the audience, um, um, uh, education, everything needs a policy document. And one of our board members was very good at such writing such things. So um, over time, this museum got really well organized. Um, and one of the the main features is that, and that is again the, the work of Don Duco himself, he is very, very meticulous in writing down all the details about his finds. Wow. Where it comes from, um, if you could find the, the maker uh, of this particular brand, um, it's all noted down. At first, of course, in small um, paper system cards in a filing cabinet. Um, as soon as a computer came on the market, he bought a computer and put anything in um, um, in a database, just an Excel sheet. Um, but with over 10,000 objects, um, it's getting quite difficult to find, to retrieve from. So over the years, all kind of better systems came on the market. And um, eventually, uh, you ordered a good computer freak, I can say, um, to, to design a wonderful database. 
Um, and the same database is now online on this ipuz.nl website. Um, so anybody in the world, even in the United States, people can uh, search any pipes in our collection. Wow. So if you go to the website, you see tap collections, and you click on it, it falls out, search the collection, you get a search field, uh, you can indicate what you like. Um, clay pipes, the pre-Columbian pipes, um, uh, Japanese, um, not any geographical name you can put in. It, it exists in our collection. You get pipes from Timbuktu or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a treat that um, pipe smokers and pipe collectors all over the world, um, they find this, this website. I was very impressed because when I started going through the website and and digging deeper and learning, this is not just somebody put their collection out for display. You have professional archivists and archaeologists that yeah. have helped, and all the research has been done. So its historical value is great, as well as just the the vast array of assortment of pipes. Yeah, that's right. This is it is pleasant for the visitor in the museum that they can see um, a huge collection around um, displaying the history of pipe smoking for over uh, 25 centuries. Now, all those pipes is from 500 BC. Yeah. And the main um, uh, purpose of the collection is um, laying down this, this history of pipe smoking. Because there are some books, of course, and I'm just sitting in the library, um, as you as a um, interviewer can see, um, that we have a, a range of 4,000 books here on pipes and tobacco. Wow. So we can find a lot of information. But um, to get this information connected to our pipes, to, to know where this particular pipe from an African tribal um, uh, people comes from wherever it originates. If you go to this particular country in Africa, you won't find these pipes anymore because everybody in the world, especially in Africa, they smoke the cigarettes at the moment. Mm -hmm. So it's just rather difficult to find out where such a pipe comes from. But luckily, all kind of old publications from the 19th century illustrate books um, with, with beautiful lithographs. They can inform us because at that time, it was still known where these tribes lived and what kind of pipes they smoked. And it would make sense that the museum is in Amsterdam, the heart of the of the Dutch people, because the Dutch were great traders throughout the 1600s, 1700s. So I would mm -hmm. imagine as they were exploring and trading, a lot of these artifacts would come back to Amsterdam naturally on, on the trades. Yeah, that's right. Um, although... The Dutch are um, good traders, and yeah. um, we, we got well merchandise from all over the world. And um, it's come back to Amsterdam, um, especially the um, uh, the spices from the Far East, uh, but also the, the sugar and the tobacco from the, from the West. Um, but the objects is more the English who are keen on <laughs> yeah. on collecting things and and. Um, but unluckily, um, also in, the, in, the, in England, um, the most beautiful tobacco museums 
all closed down. Ah. And that's, that's to do with our, um, uh, well, the, the big and, and quite heavy anti-tobacco lobbies yeah. uh, since the year 2000, let's say. And in the first decades of this century, uh, several museums, like the, the wonderful Dunhill collection, well, Dunhill was, of course, the, the great pipe maker, um, but since 1924, when he published his, his um, the Dunhill Pipe Book, um, he was known for his, his tribal pipes from all over the world. Wow. And as a, as a well, merchant based in London, he had contacts all over the world for his tobacco, for his, his well, for all his business. And it, it looks like that he asked his, his um, trading um, companions to, to send pipes home to, to London. But in 2010, the whole collection was sold. There was a huge auction in Sotheby's, um, and it was uh, half of, of the United States was was involved in this, this auction because the most crazy prices were paid by American collectors uh, all online. Um, so the collection is spread around the world, um, nothing left, and that happens with many of the um, uh, tobacco collection and pipe collections in Europe. Um, in fact. They're all gone. At least uh, 12 or 15 big collections in wow. Paris, in Vienna, in Copenhagen. And I guess just like that, just because our collection has never been subsidized by the tobacco industry, sponsored, um, that might be the reason that this collection still exists. Because nobody can withdraw um, his, his money. So this museum still exists and, and um, no, it's rather flourishing, I must say. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Benedict from the Amsterdam Pipe Museum. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age. What you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes. And you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Benedict from the Amsterdam Pipe Museum. And I'm wondering, just for you, how did you first get interested in pipes and pipe tobacco and pipe smoking? Um, well, um, over time, I, I became a pipe smoker myself. So that was a, well, an intrinsic interest in the subject. And uh, at a certain point, I, uh, I came to know Don Duco and um, 
book and learned about his, his art collection and was really intrigued um, what it was all about. It was, well, for me, it was totally new. Um, but it's, it did interest me. Um, so for quite a long time, um, I, uh, I entered in the board of this foundation um, because that's what I could do. Um, I'm a historian myself and I work in the monumental um, monument care and uh, the built heritage. And so I could do this job um, on site in the evening hours, just as a board member um, a few times a year. Um, but later on, I got much more free time. And then I, um, well, I started to volunteer in the museum. And um, at the moment, I'm doing all kinds of things from um, coordinating the volunteers. We have a number of volunteers who do the, um, the tours for the, the visitors. Um, well, I do some um, small research at a um, and special subjects that I, that really interest me. Um, um, yeah, so I, I help out the museum in many many different ways. <laughs> so, is there a pipe in the museum that you have wanted to try smoking, but you but you don't want to because it's part of the collection? <laughs> yes, in fact, um, none of the pipes in the collection are <laughs> meant to be smoked yeah. at the moment. Um, if they are smoked, it's fine, and they they get a beautiful platina, you know, what happens with the pipe, especially the Meerschaum pipes, they get a beautiful uh, tone. Um, but we're not supposed to <laughs> shake them out and, and smoke again. Um, but luckily, um, especially the clay pipes, they're produced in a mold, yeah. as you can imagine. Um, so it's quite likely that you can, you can come across pipes that are coming from the same mold. So they're exactly the same copies. Uh, in that case, uh, there's a possibility to try out such a pipe. <laughs> there have been smoking this, even the long clay pipes, the church warden uh, uh, pipes with a uh, 35 or 50 centimeter stem. Um, and I must say it's quite comfortable because clay is absolutely neutral in taste. It's nicely porous. Um, the only thing is you have to do it on your own and not around with, with people around and not with um, dogs playing or whatever, uh, because it all causes breaking the pipe. <laughs> uh, in in addition to the pipes, you also have other tobacco accessories, in, including what really interests me is the tobacco vignettes, which were yes. kind of the before there was tobacco packaging. Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, we're now accustomed to to pipe tobacco that is uh, wrapped in, in these uh, plastic pouches. Um, that's very good to, to keep to quite fresh. Uh, but in the older times, it was quite hard to keep the tobacco fresh, of course. Um, so tobacco was normally um, only cut and, and sold. Um, it was only cut when the tobacco was sold, and then you get it in a package, paper wrapping. And the wrappings, they were printed with all kind of um, names of the, of the uh, shopkeeper or the, uh, later on, of course, the big second factories. But at first, in the 18th century, it was just individual um, tobacco stores 
that have their own uh, advertising on those packages. Um, of course, the packaging is uh, is just the waste you you go you throw away. Yeah. Um, if, if the tobacco is, is up, is smoked. So um, the wrappings are really rare. But over time, um, we had so many contacts with, with collectors and with, with all the other museums that we could, um, yes, we get quite a number of, uh, of these, these vignettes, as they are called. Um, uh, most interesting also because many of them, not only the name of the, the, the vendor, but it's also a whole picture of, of the tobacco trade. And of course, a lot of those, um, you know, those pictures, they show the, the, the black amour. Um, in fact, the, the black African um, work on the plantations. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, in these images that are only produced in Europe, uh, we see that they're, they're uh, dressed up like Indians, <laughs> like the, the Native Indians, American Indian, yeah. with feather hats and, and uh, arrows and, and uh, it's quite funny the combination they made up. It was just the imagination of the of the European um, woodcarvers to make this printing block. And, and these these vignettes go back to the time in in the world where oftentimes people didn't know how to read, so they used pictures to convey these messages. And and these look yeah. like they they look like they were pre printing press and might have been engravings or etchings that were. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're, um, the, the the printing should be in large quantities. So they at first they used palm wood, um, and then uh, the palm wood is so hard that you can make an engraving and print it for thousands of copies. Yeah. And later on, they engraved in copper plates. And we even have some of the copper plates left um, in which you can really see the, the, with, um, with an instrument with which they engraved the, um, the pictures. And, and then, of course, and this is the part that my wife may not be very happy about because I was looking through the collection online in the pictures of the tobacco jars and some of them are just absolutely beautiful <laughs> and could be quite uh, quite an interesting thing for me to start adding to the shelves that you see on the camera yeah. behind me and uh, uh, yeah. but the and, and some of these are quite ornate some of them are very basic as well yes yes that's right the um, tobacco was, was used by smokers in all um, layers of society. Um, in fact, the very first pipes in Europe were smoked by the absolutely the poorest people in the country. Because that's where the, um, the sailors on the ships that came from Virginia, and they brought the tobacco. So the, all those pipes, the first pipes in Europe, in, in Holland, are found by the archaeologists in the harbors. That's where the sailors were sitting on the decks or not sure smoking the pipes and every time it breaks they throw the the, the ants in the in the harbor and that's where they, they were found. But of course later on more special people and the people of the city and also the merchants and the higher classes, they start to smoke. But the clay pipes were 
three, for 250 years, the long clay pipes was the only pipes in use. There was nothing else. Yeah. No cigarettes, no cigars, no dry pipes, which came much, much later. Um, so the only way, and the, the clay pipes were, in fact, more or less the same for everybody, from the lowest to the highest club. So the only thing that people could do to stand out or to show some of their wealth or status is by their accessories. So the accessories of the tobacco box, uh, kind of has a simple brass box or a beautifully um, um, embossed box, also in brass or even in silver. And the same with tobacco boxes, uh, the tobacco jars on the table could be from very simple uh, earthenware to to the most beautiful silver. Yeah, it's just it's it's amazing, and of course, as you mentioned, that when at the at the beginning of European tobacco use, it was primarily pipe and then snuff. Yes. And you have a collection of snuff boxes. Yes. As well in the museum, and that can be, uh, your the museum could be a very bad influence for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Although the the fine thing about the museum is that. It's it has so many aspects, uh, because pipe smoking is, is, in the first place, of course, the pleasure of taking tobacco smoke. But over time, it became such, such, um, so much more than that. It is an expression of, of fashion, um, expression of, uh, of status, as I told you. Yeah. Um, but also, depending on the climate, the pipe could change completely. For instance, the, the hookah was invented in the Middle East because during the summertime, it could be so hot in Egypt and North Africa and the Ottoman Empire that in this Ottoman Empire, the normal traditional tobacco pipe, just a standard pipe in the ceramic pipe bowl, was not good enough. It was not pleasant. It was 50 degrees Celsius outdoors. Smoke a pipe with warm smoke. So they invented the hookah in order to cool the smoke through water. Wow. So it's in fact invented as a summer pipe, next to a winter pipe. But this is an invention just because of the climate uh, conditions. That's, I, I never thought of it that way. Um, and, and then there's pipe, all the pipe accessories that we would think of. Yes, uh, the pipe tamperers, um, they do exist since, um, since 1600. Have, luckily, because of the invention of the, the metal detector, they're found nowadays. <laughs> Formerly, they are quite hard to find because um, the, the metal is, is corroded and, and a bit dark and yeah. not the same color as the moss. So it's really hard to find. But now, with the metal detecting, um, many of these, these small objects, easy to lose, everybody knows. Um, and that was no difference in the 17th century. When you when you get a new piece for the collection, do you prefer to keep it in the condition that it was found, or do you attempt to restore and clean it up a little bit? Well, um, what we do is only cleaning it as far as the, the most recent uh, uh, dirt is getting off. For instance, um, when something comes from a, from a um, an auction, there are many stickers and labels um, put on, on the object to uh, identify it during the sale. And of course, all those 
stickers and, and the glue and everything goes off. But if a pipe has nicely spoked and has a patina of its own, we keep it as it is. We never clean it without. If a, for instance, a, a porcelain pipe bowl uh, gets totally black inside, and if you put it in water with some soap, it easily cleans totally. Yeah. And the whole bill, tobacco and, and burning uh, traces in, inside, you can completely remove. But we don't do we we keep right. the the, um, the aspect of, of smoking intact as it is. And then with the with the museum itself, do you rotate what's on exhibition? So there might be something every every four or five months that's different for people to come back and see. Um, partly, partly. Um, most of our exhibition is is more or less permanent. Um, for very special occasions, we make some some space and put them in the exhibition. Um, that that's for sure. But in principle. There's a kind of um, uh, story through the museum, from the pre-Columbian oldest pipes uh, through Europe, from clay to the Meerschaum, the Briar pipes, and then the outside Europe, the different countries in, in the Middle East and Africa, uh, the Far East, the Japanese and the Chinese. So that is a kind of worldwide tour people can make um, along the different pipes in the different regions. And um, since many of our pipes are visitors, in fact, 90% of our visitors are foreign people. They come from European countries, but also as far as, as Colombia. Um, uh, and those people are not really likely to come back in a short period of time. So there's no need to, to rotate too many. But of course, we have... Um, uh, some some showcases that are not within this tour and those showcases we give a new objects every time wow what is the if, if our listeners have something of antiquity or what what are the things that the museum is still looking for what are you what 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 collection <laughs> what pieces do you want to add to the collection yes well we've um for a long time um that's really difficulties in getting pipes from the other side of the world. It is most yeah, most probable that we can find pipes that are made in Europe. Yeah. Certain beautiful uh, wooden pipes, uh, even before the briar, the Germans uh, and then the whole central of Europe, with a lot of forests so that the people in, in Czech, Slovakia, Hungary, they already started making wooden pipes. But not in briar, so they don't last very long, but they are beautifully carved because the wood is rather soft. And those pipes we can find. But pipes from, uh, let's say, Alaska, uh, these this special uh, Inuit pipes, of course, they're not terribly old because tobacco is always important to that, those places. There's no tobacco growth. Um, but they still make pipes. Um, and also the other famous uh, uh, the Haida princess in the northwest coast tribal uh, uh, people in, in Canada. They made this beautiful black stone pipes with all these fine carvings of funny 
Allee, uh, faces. Um, that's quite hard to, to get in Europe. And of course, if you're going to Amsterdam, the, the Amsterdam Pipe Museum is part of the citywide museum card. That's right. So you get all the great museums of Amsterdam. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And the funny thing is that um, being in a list of museums that are to be visited with this card, uh, that makes good publicity for us, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and to my, well, in fact, to my astonishment, um, on TripAdvisor, you can see which museums are the most popular according to the visitors who have been there. And logically, in Amsterdam, there's always the right museum, the National Museum, yeah. but the Rembrandt's that is most most popular and most visited. Um, the second is the Van Gogh Museum, yeah. that's also world famous. And then we have the Anna Frank House, which is well famous as a house because of this diary. Um, but what is really special is that the Amsterdam Pipe Museum has been for a long time number five on the most popular museums in Amsterdam. Wow. And that's really something to, um, not to mention. Uh, apparently, people really like this museum. And I guess, it is, and I've asked many times, of course, um, people are so surprised. At, in the first place, that there is no other pipe museum. So it's hard to find another pipe museum, except for this one in Amsterdam. And when you go there, uh, most of the people don't have a really a expectation because maybe you know the, the pipes you or your granddad smoked, which is a rather filthy wooden pipe, which is, has not been, <laughs> been used for, for ages. Uh, and you know that the mouthpieces, they get, get green and uh, not a, a really pleasant object. Um, so if you go to a pipe museum, you think, well, I'm going to see 1,000 of those rather often and used filter pipes, that's kind of the um, much fun. But if you want to see and learn about this this worldwide history, people are so yeah surprised and they, they learn such so much about their own history because practically everybody in the who visits the museum can find a pipe from his own region where he comes from. But it makes it also very um, accessible and very uh, uh, very nice that you can find not only things from far away, but as well the objects that were used just by your own people around you. It was, uh, it's amazing because the museum is actually a history of the modern world over the last 2,000 plus years, but told through yeah. the tobacco and tobacco pipe and the tobacco accessories. Yeah and all that so benedict we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever you want to answer are you ready okay and, and this can be either for you personally or for the museum so whatever you want to say uh what is your favorite pipe um my favorite pipe is a um, um, porcelain pipe bowl that is sitting in its original gift box since 1750, including a stem which is, exists of two parts of horn stems that can screw into each other and then attached to the pipe bowl in porcelain. And it's so funny that the pipe bowl with the 
two parts of the stems and the box, always kept together for over 250 years. Wow. Uh, what is your favorite tobacco? Um, I like the Danish bats. They're the, the Danish more sweet uh, aromatic, uh -huh. um, yeah, uh, aro tobaccos. Like the, uh, 1864, um, which brand is that? The that was W.O. Larson. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. And what is your favorite drink? Um, my favorite drink is um, red wine. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, music with a pipe. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory for you? Ooh. Um, well, I, I think, um, uh, yeah, my, my favorite memory is, is not about my own pipe smoking because that's rather um, well, straightforward. Um, but whenever I, I'm not attending the shop so much, because you have a museum shop attached to the museum, of course. And, um, uh, when real uh, pipe smokers and real pipe aficionados they find our shop and they find out that we have pipes um, this kind of new old stock is it called this way mm -hmm. there's pipes that are made some 50 or 60, 70 years ago not for sale for, for ages because the factory has is, is gone down and, and stopped and we still have a small selection of those pipes and people can be so thrilled that they can find such a pipe in a specialized shop like ours. That is one of the great pleasures of seeing people, pipe smokers, so happy with her acquisition. So they can come and see the museum and then go to the pipe shop and pick up a real pipe yeah. as a souvenir of their visit to yeah. the Amsterdam mm -hmm. Pipe Museum. Yeah. Again, the website is pipemuseum.nl all kinds of information tons of lovely photographs benedict thank you very much for coming on and doing this and uh, next time i'm in amsterdam we'll i'll i'll be there for probably half the day <laughs> i hope so i hope to see you uh, thank you very much for uh, having me and we'll be back in just a minute since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. I highly recommend you all go check out, at least check out the website for the Amsterdam Pipe Museum. And listen, if you're going to get anywhere near Amsterdam, you know, boy, I, I, I regret that we didn't spend any time there when we were there. So, all right, for music, uh, this one was sent in by Charlie, and it's from a band called uh, Small Faces. 
the what what triggered this one was the album is a uh, is entitled Ogden's Nut Gone Flake, and it's a uh, concept album from nineteen from the nineteen sixties. It is a takeoff of the Ogden's Pipe Tobacco. The songs have nothing to do with it, but uh, this is the uh, this is the remastered stereo version of the instrumental Ogden's Nut Gone Flake from Small Faces. imagine it was the uh, late 1960s in england and this is a uh, psychedelic kind of an album and a concept album from a english rock band that uh, you know did a little bit you know, and then had some problems and fell apart so uh thanks again to charlie for sending that in read the mail read the mail read the mail and remember if you have a comment or question you can email it to me brian at pipesmagazine.com that's b-r-i-a-n at pipesmagazine.com and if i haven't received it (laughs) there's been some issues with uh with some email server stuff the past couple of weeks so send it again Uh, but going back to last week's show dino says thanks for the kind words about the chicago show and for a nice recap of the show activities again it was fun sharing a few bowls with you uh, Josh was a very engaging guest, interesting, humorous, and congenial. His arty pipes are strange and wonderful. I also loved the bird soundscape. 
Uh, Wayne and I always spend quite a bit of time at the Chicago show each year, catching up and talking jazz. Nice music choice. I like his saloon singer style. Good rant. Thanks for an always entertaining show, Dino. Uh, and let me tell you a little secret about the about uh, recording with Josh with the birds. It made it really hard to do any little minor edits. So I just kind of left a lot of that in there because I was kind of enjoying it. So I uh, didn't want the birds to miss their miss their part either. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, a greatly entertaining show. I particularly enjoyed the part about who was elected Doctor of Pipes and Master of Pipes. While the election of Tom Meltang to Doctor of Pipes for the professional class was kind of a no-brainer, the selection of Scott Thiele was a real surprise in the hobbyist division because I've always thought of him as a pipe carver and therefore a professional. When I heard the honor was for his development of Pipepedia, I realized my mistake. Truly two well-deserving candidates. Uh, the Masters of Pipes were well-selected in Nate King in the professional class and James Foster in the hobbyists. Nate has always been a favorite of mine. Uh, back in the days when he could fool around, when, when he could fool around with his steampunk pipes, were just amazing. Uh, James Foster has done quite a bit of work publicizing various events and getting the Texas Pipe Show going. Great job by the doctors and masters of pipes who voted for these men. Uh, great job reporting on the Chicago Pipe Show. I just wish people, when posting photos, would tell us who is in the picture. I would say that three-fourths of the pictures, they, uh, they don't say who they are taking a photo of. Anyway, from what I'm hearing, attendance was well up from last year. Not as good as in the pre-COVID days, but improving. Great job interviewing Josh. He really allowed his personality to shine. Yeah, and his birds. Uh, and then J.M. Smitty says, Brian, great show with an interesting guest. I don't know how these guys rock these huge beards. I can grow one, but choose to shave because the one time I tried to grow a beard, it drove me nuts. Me too. Uh, mustaches are a different story. Uh, add yet another pipe maker that I'm going to have to check out as my list is ever expanding. I'm sorry I didn't get the opportunity to stop and say hi as I got into so many interesting conversations with all the people that I was sitting around in Chicago that oftentimes felt like I couldn't pull away. I, I, I want to interject. I've, I really understand that. That's why I didn't record anything. Uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, that and the choice tobaccos everyone was sharing. In regards to your rant, I rarely comment, but as a younger pipe smoker, there were so many interesting younger, newer people at the show, and it was extremely refreshing. Don't get me wrong. I love talking to the older guys and getting historical perspective, but the show is happening right now. Let's enjoy it and hope it lasts. Thanks for another great show, Jason. Uh, Jason, you're welcome. Yeah, live in the moment with a foot in the past and an eye to the present and uh, some other Confucius sounding really good stuff there. Um, all right. Getting caught up on a few things. Um, guy writes, uh, he's got a question for Jeremy, which I'll get to with Jeremy. Uh, he said, second, would it, uh, would it be helpful having an occasional session on your show along the theme of across the pond and in the big wide ocean? where you discuss pipe smoking overseas. I know you have in the past with pipe makers in Greece and more recently with Australian Trevor Smith in episode 549. Uh, interesting interview, by the way. And yes, shocking, oh, the state of affairs in the nanny state, Oz. Uh, it was good to hear. I think this would help build connections in the community and might give it an extra boost 
<laughs> Please disregard this, though, if you think you've covered it enough. Anyway, as always, I much appreciate your show, Guy. Um, Guy, I think I've covered it enough because I think I've had, um, you know, pipe people from all the countries of Europe. Um, I've had pipe people from Eastern Europe, uh, a couple of the, a couple of folks from the Middle East, uh, one or two, at least from Africa, several from South America, uh, uh, Talking to Sergio from Mexico made me want to move there because I could smoke my pipe at a dinner table um, in Asia. So I think as you go back and listen, uh, you'll pick up on some stuff in there. But uh, the later shows, I've stopped kind of reiterating that because it seemed kind of redundant that, you know, some countries are more civilized towards smokers. <laughs> anyway, uh, going on, uh, Timothy writes uh, regarding last week's show. Hi, Brian. Just listen to your latest uh, podcast episode and would like to offer a little info in response to piping OCD's comments. Uh, after Isaac Jaffe moved to Texas, I took over hosting the SPCA, the Sacramento Pipe Collectors Assembly, founded by Gary Malmberg decades ago, and have been hosting it at my house near Sacramento ever since. We have recently decided to change our name to reflect the regional radius of attendees and as such are now going by our new name, the Sacramento Valley Pipe Club, or SVPC. Uh, we are currently working on a website which will post uh, which will post once final details are complete. We fully intend to post links on the UPCA and hopefully Pipes Magazine, etc. We usually meet on the final Sunday of each month and send out a monthly email to our current attendees. I'm sending this email to you to avoid any confusion. The Sacramento Pipe Club has never disbanded and we don't intend to any time. We are, however, in a period of formalizing our presence in the Sacramento region. Hope this helps. Timothy. Yeah, as soon as you got information on it, just uh, post it up there on the Pipes Magazine forums on the pipe clubs and gatherings. <laughs> and then this one kind of fell through the uh, fell through the cracks a while ago. Uh, Steve Davenport writes, uh, John Cougar, John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp, just Cougar, wait, no, Cougar flew with Merlin on Top Gun. <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking about. You'll have to go back a few episodes. Uh, and then a uh, couple more uh, regarding the Chicago Pipe Show. Uh, Mo writes, hi, Brian, thought I'd write you to let you know that I had an absolute blast at the pipe show last weekend. The people were so welcoming from the organizers to the pipe makers and displayers to the attendees. I've never had so many great pipe and tobacco discussions and just super conversations. Uh, special mentions go out to John David Cole, who was so gracious. Scotty Pearsall, who sat next to me at supper on Saturday night. What a sincerely nice and down-to-earth person. And a great pipe maker to boot. Uh, I had to say boot in Canadian way. Uh, the Milwaukee Pipe Club, who all but adopted me for the weekend and shared some great beer. And especially Sue Bender, Paul's wife, who was instrumental in seeing that I was registered and taken care of. She's an unsung, an unsung hero, in my opinion. Uh, it was nice running into you as well on three or four occasions throughout the event. There was so much to see and do, never a dull moment. From Thursday to Sunday, I never left the Marriott, spending so much time in the smoking tent chatting with great people. Uh, he sent me a picture of the two of us. 
Uh, I'm the uglier one. Uh, thanks for all you doing for being such an ambassador for all the pipe shows. I hope to make it to the Vegas show as well, Mo. Mo, glad you had a good time. It was great to see you. Uh, and then uh, Mrs. Spike, better known as Susan, writes uh brian spike and i really enjoyed the chicago show it was wonderful to see you and catch up i thought your listeners might like to know how a female and a non-smoker views the show i hope my reflections encourage more wives girlfriends female vendors etc to come to a show i love the shows why i love the camaraderie no matter what table i choose to sit at in the smoking tent i encounter friendliness warmth and welcome I always make new friends and have engaging conversations. One conversation led to sharing a book on George Marshall, another to prayer for a relative and assisted living. Women who enjoy making friends and having enjoyable conversations should know this is the story for us non-pipe smokers. I encourage you to come and enjoy the community conversations and friendliness. I'm looking forward to seeing old friends and new in Columbus and Las Vegas. Give it a try, ladies. You won't regret it. Susan, Mrs. Spike. And then she said, P.S. Mr. Spike had a wonderful time. <laughs> and then uh, from Mr. Spike, uh, finally he says, uh, Brian, uh, if you can take an email from Mrs. Spike's husband, I want to lend my full thumbs up to your ending comments. I'm an old goat who has been smoking a pipe for 50 years. I grew up in Chicago with access to some of the old great houses led by Ewan Reese. Back, when, uh, back then, there were numerous great shops in the loop, shopping malls, and neighborhoods. I bought dozens of pipes and hundreds of tobaccos through the years. In 1983, the missus and I moved to the D.C. area and had access to new great shops, Georgetown Tobacco, Old Virginia Tobacco Company, and John B. Hayes in particular. I will unequivocally state that the selection of pipes and tobacco, the quality of pipes and tobacco, and the access to them through shows, internet, and brick-and-mortar stores is far superior to the good old days. You can't live in the past. Fire up a bowl and enjoy the present. Thank you, Spike. Uh, well said. Yeah. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, suggestions, you know, tobacco reviews, stuff, anything. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. 
It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. I'm going to bring this one a little bit down home, a little southern for you. Are you ready? Have you heard the phrase, honey, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar? You can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. All right, so here's how it goes. And I'm talking pipe show related only. All right, are you ready? The venues that these pipe shows are at, whether it be Columbus, Chicago, Vegas, any of the places, any of the venues, except for Briarworks, because everybody works for Briarworks there, so you can be mean to them. Um, don't be mean to the staff. The staff is just doing what they're told, all right? 90% of the time, the problem that you're having is with a policy from the, from the company or the owner of the venue and not the person that you're yelling at or screaming at. Be nice to the staff. Got it? If you're nice to the staff, they'll do nice things for you. If you're nice to the staff, they will welcome us back next year. And that's the key thing that I want you to understand. For most of these venues, our pipe shows are a small event. A small event. Got it? It's a small event when the Las Vegas International Pipe Show shows up in Las Vegas. That's a small event. They make money off of it. They get people in their hotel. We buy stuff while we're there. We buy food. We buy drinks. Some of us gamble. And we patronize them. But if we're a pain in the ass, they're not going to put up with it. They can get another event in there or they can just run a slot promotion and make up for it. So when you're at one of these events... Be nice to the staff at the hotel. It's not their fault that you're having whatever the rule or the policy is. Just be nice to the staff. They'll be nice to you. We'll be invited back and we'll continue to have pipe shows. All right? That works all when you're all around the world, too. If you're nice to the staff, you tend to get more stuff better, especially on an airplane. Just be nice to the flight attendants. Good God. They, you know, they're not in charge of anything except bringing out drinks and making sure you're seated. All right, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. JDRF auction items, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, Vegas Pipe Show stuff is all up on uh, vegaspipeshow.com. Go there now, book uh, book everything, get in or done for all the early discounts and benefits. Uh, thank you very much to Benedict for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until Bombardier, next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Till we meet again.
Turkish Dental Association. No, I'm a tobacconist. Get away from that door. 